Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode, I feature Devin B. Johnson. He obtained his BA in Fine Arts from the California State University of Channel Islands and received a Master's of Fine Arts at Pratt Institute. He was selected for Forbes 30 Under 30 Art and Design in 2022, was included in Culture's Young Artists in 2021, and was one of 16 artists from around the world selected for the inaugural year of the Black Rock Senegal Residency in 2020. His work is collected by the Columbus Museum of Art, the Hammer Museum, Longladi Foundation Shanghai, the Los Angeles County Museum of Art, the Museum of Contemporary Art in Los Angeles, the Pond Society Shanghai, the Rubel Museum in Miami, to name a few. Recent exhibitions include Between Ground and Sky, Nicodem, New York in 2022, My Heart Cries, I Set Out an Offering for You, Nicodem, Los Angeles in 21, a solo show, and A Long Walk, Gallery Nicodem, Bucharest in 2021, also a solo show. Another includes Hollywood Babylon, a re-inauguration of the Pleasure Dome, Jeffrey Deitch. Please see his expanded bio at CerebralWomen.com and enjoy this episode featuring Devin B. Johnson. Devin, welcome to my Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. Hi, thank you for having me, Phyllis. Yes, my pleasure. I've been watching your work. So um, when did you discover your uh, creative abilities? You know, I think it's just something that has been a part of me. Since I was just a young kid, it was uh, just something that I could preoccupy my time with. I feel like it was just playtime for me and creativity and a place where I could explore and uh, I guess be in my own world. And I guess my parents can agree to that. My grand- my grandparents also can agree to that because they, uh, they, they've nurtured it for me in my life. Me and my brother's lives, they've nurtured our, our creative pursuits and things that we always were, uh, always were interested in. So. I think like at an early age, I've obviously expressed, uh, I guess, more of a, of a skill at a, I guess, yeah, more of a skill set at an early age that was more advanced than some of my peers. And so it was just something that I just kept on investing in and it just kept on growing. But I've always been this kid. Early on, do you recall if there was a certain artist or body of work that influenced you? You know, it's, it's interesting. Like I, I, I grew up in San Diego. California. And, you know, my, my, my parents would take us to like the Natural History Museum that was at um, the Balboa Park. They had like, a really nice museum. Sometimes we would see like the mummies and stuff like that. But as far as, as, far as fine art, 
I would say my introductions probably started back at home rather than a museum or an art gallery, being that my uncle on my mother's side, he was an artist. He was a painter in our family. So I grew up seeing his paintings in my household, you know, these figures, these like black figures um, in these vignettes where it was like this young uh, girl in a this silhouette from the side where she was reading the Bible. And it, the title of that painting was called I Believe. So my uncle was this person in my life who I knew was this creative artist that also kind of shared these pursuits that I had. My uncle was much older than my parents, and he was an older, older person. He was more active, like in the 1970s. His name is Maurice E. Goins. But when I when he passed away, when I was when he when I was like maybe 13, it just made sense that I would inherit like his paintbrushes and his art materials, and like that kind of like gave me like a like a like Mike uh, type of moment where. <laughs> If I had like Michael Jordan's shoes, I would probably have the same skill sets as him. But it was kind of like if I had his paintbrushes, maybe I could continue like the the torch of being this artist in the family now. And so that's kind of how I guess that influence kind of permeates in my life directly. And are there childhood memories reflected in your work? Often, oftentimes, yes. It, I, I think that is like where like the, the, the figurative moments in my work, when they do arrive, they arrive from this space maybe that is coming from a nostalgia or maybe a dream space that takes on the space of nostalgia but i think about my own life in reference to some of the imagery and sentiments of the painting and the subjects that i'm trying to um, articulate in the mood of the painting and so usually a lot of the work does reflect memories that i have either with my family members. Usually it's with my family members, my, my grandparents, my family, uh, my dad, my mother, or myself, or my brother. Even my, my, my pets, my dogs sometimes show up in my work. <laughs> but I think it's all about coming from this reference of like, this was a space of love for me. And it was very fertile for me and my creativity growing up as a young man, you know, in San Diego, and then later on in Los Angeles, it definitely kind of gave me a, a power. So like, as, as part of like, maybe uh, acknowledging the legacy or acknowledging like what I'm continuing. I, I talk via my paintings. My paintings kind of kind of operate as like these uh, totems, I guess you could say, for memories or nostalgic spaces. How would you define your practice? You know, I, I think one of the things that, one of the big questions that I've have been asking myself, I think at the turn of like in the last couple of years is, you know, at the, at the top of identity politics and art um, artists, I explain that idea and what that means for them. I started to ask myself questions. What's, what does that mean for me? Via the fact that I have these filters of being perceived as this, you know, Black male who's a specific height that might be perceived in other walks of life another way, I think the way that I can think about my identity and my existence and this way of experiencing life is via my observations or maybe looking introspectively via my experiences. So I, I come, I operate from my experiences, whether it be like my observations of things that I ingest in my day to day, or maybe if I'm being a little bit more introspective and I might recall or think about a specific memory that might trigger something. And, and so that might be like a space for me to like open up into a creative realm. I need to kind of feel this sense of wonderment. I need to, I need to, I need to feel this sense of unknowing as well as the safe sense of this memory holds a safe warm space for me 
but I think my practice is is overbalding into what are my perceptions, what are my observations in this world, and what does that look like? It can be figurative, it can also be maybe more metaphorical. So what, what do you enjoy most about being a visual artist? I think the thing that I love the most about being, or I want to reframe that, I guess the responsibility that I have as being this visual artist now is something that I have always, I guess, kind of daydreamed about having and, and being in at some point. I just never knew when it would. It happened sooner than I anticipated. But I think the greatest thing about it is that I definitely believe that I'm walking in my God's path, like the path that God has planned for me. I, I definitely believe I'm walking in 100%. With that, I, I carry that same responsibility and love. I hope it translates into my practice and that people can see that. But I, I definitely believe that I'm walking in my life's work at this moment. When you're working, do you think about who your audience is and if they'll understand your work? Yeah, I, I, I think I often, I often kind of have that question in my head, you know, and also that, you know, I think as, as young artists or even as artists, and I'm able to speak from personal experience, there is this level of self-doubt sometimes that you grapple with. But I think that's, also, that's always natural, I think, in like, if you're you know putting something out that is uh, meaningful to you, you're always trying to try to trying to find judgments in it. But I think because I've started to go in these different directions and maybe even ask different questions in my practice, I hope that it translates that I'm thinking through something that takes different. It takes on may, may take on different forms. It might take on different shapes. And I think because of maybe certain trends that have been known to kind of operate and dominate. I hope that there is a patience for younger artists and also the audience view on younger artists to allow them to grow in their pursuits and their ideas. So I'm not quite sure if the audience understands and maybe they do more than I can clock. But I think for me, I, uh, I think about Again, what am I doing in this responsibility or in this in this role as being a visual artist? What am I contributing? What do I think that I'm adding? What dialogues do I think that I am attached to? And, you know, I think my responsibility is to kind of open that up in a way that's special to me, which also then opens it up for other people to uh, think for themselves and or think about things that are, I guess, more vast than, I guess, topical ways of thinking. I think I'm looking for more of a conceptual, maybe of a slower read or more of a, a read of my work that is garnered by also different aspects of, 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 of creating. I'm interested in like architecture and, and like how architects talk about work in space. And I'm interested in like, how do those intersections play in with the surface quality of paint? How do you make paint articulate or kind of uh, make these a uh, pseudo uh, relationships to like how architecture forms our experience. And so those, those are things that I think that I'm grappling or, or, or touching on. It's a new, it's a new effort for me. So have you ever thought about if you weren't a visual artist, what other career path you would choose or have chosen? Maybe a musician. Yeah. I, I think for me, I, I love creative expression, like that outward pour of whatever that catharsis can be. I just, I'm excited by that, that release all the time. So I think like I would probably be a musician. 
whether it be a guitarist or a trumpet, um, a, you know, jazz musician. I, I did, I did play, I did pick up some instruments when I was younger, tried the piano. My dad plays the piano, plays in the organ when he was, a, uh, when he was in the church. I tried the trumpet for like a couple of years. And, you know, I found that instrument was far too loud to practice in my, in my home and, and not destroy my, 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 my parents and my family's ears. So I, I took on what was, I guess, what was more available to me, which was, which was painting. You know, that was just the thing that stuck. But I, I, I have a great admiration uh, to, to musicians. Do you listen to music while you're working? Of course. It's a, it's a big indicator of like where the work goes. You know, I think one of the things that is not necessarily like shown often, but I, I think I do it in, in ways on my Instagram, my social media, via my lives, where I'll go, you know, on Instagram live and I'll, I'll paint in front of like whoever's watching. But there's a great performative aspect of my work that is kind of private unless I go on live and I show people kind of where and how these things arrive. The works, you know, they, they are really, they become, they're very physical, you know, they come, they, be, they go through very uh, active and sporadic and they go through very, um, it's a dance, I would say, you know, and so people will see me pick up my paintings, put it on the ground, spin it upside down. I'm either beating into it with like palette paper that I have of used paint or, Maybe I'm using a different like object in my studio to make a mark and it, it becomes very active and it becomes athletic and it becomes expressionistic and it's performative for me. It's my therapy of like, all right, this is how I can re uh, release all the tensions and aggressions and like emotions that I, that I, that I hold. And so that's a space for me that I find that is very generating and it helps me. So when did the, the titles of your work enter the creative process? When I was younger, I used to like, when I was painting things, I used to actually think of titles first. And then that would kind of like help me paint what it is that I think this title is alluding to. But I think now afterwards, or it's a kind of a mix of like, it's a mix of like having titles already kind of there. Sometimes it's a mix of like random, like random, like quotes or random things that I've heard um or random thoughts that might sound like really good you know almost these kind of poetic titles maybe but i think i will title them after the painting is done via maybe like how i felt making this painting like what emotions housed the making of this painting and so that's also a big determinant of like how things are titled how do you keep learning i keep learning by not falling into the same i guess rabbit hole i like to switch up things I have an aspect of my practice that is ceramic. It, it also kind of helps me teach a different type of patience because it's a different material that has a different type of temperament that I have to allow myself to have graceful periods where I don't know what the material is doing. Um, and so that helps me learn, you know, patience again, which is like another aspect of life that can then help me in other spaces of life outside of art. But within art, it's always nice to be humbled that you're not really good at this thing yet and that it will happen. But that's because you keep on going at it. You go to the studio all the time and you learn and you get better and you understand. And so I think that as I even graduated and, you know, stopped at the level of getting my MFA at Pratt, I, I think that, you know, being a student doesn't stop. You can always learn different things, a different language. I know that's that's hard, but 
I think keeping yourself in this space of play, I think is one of the best ways to keep yourself in a space of learning. How did your art professors impact your practice? I've had really great professors in my, my time at Pratt. I spoke about this several times, um, but I would say the two professors that have made a real direct impact in my life would be Tequase Dyson and, and Cullen Washington Jr., who I've had the opportunity of, you know, in separate um, classes, but I had the opportunity of learning and, and, and learning from them as how do you hold yourself as a professional artist? What do you invest into your practice that no one else can really tell you or teach you, but it's your own, it's your own learning that makes you have your own understanding of what you're doing. And I believe just the way that these professors have this understanding about their craft and their work and their practice, the way they talk about it, the expansiveness of it, the intelligence behind it, I think is very, I think that is the nuance that I think I'm reaching towards when we talk about the opening up of like what it means to kind of be a black artist. They are in the language of abstraction. They work primarily in the language of abstraction. Uh, all these Cullen works in the language of abstraction painting, uh, works on paper as well. And, and Turquoise works in installation and painting as well. And there, you know, there is this influence also to like architecture and space. So like, you know, learning underneath them and even hearing the words that Turquoise has underneath her Black compositional thoughts, uh, essays, it really helps me understand that my practice is going to be built up on my own understanding, my own research and digging deep into what my interests really are and how do those lay out in the grand scope of, I guess you could say, you know, my identity, my presence here. And so I just want to open it up. And these two artists, a few of the examples that I've had where they showed me that their practice is, is open beyond certain elements. And it's really beautiful what they've created, in my opinion. What would you say are some of the most substantial challenges that you've been confronted with as a visual artist? I think the aspect of growth is something, I think, we, you know, we talked about this, right? Like change and growth is something that is uncomfortable. and I like, I personally like to put myself in those situations, you know, where I learn and, and grow. And sometimes those things are even new and scary to me. Um, and so sometimes that, that type of direction of following the work, wherever it may go, sometimes that doesn't sync up with like the expectations others might hold on your, on, on your practice. And I think like your practice ever, it, it's an ever changing thing and it, it should go where the ideas go. And I think some of the, some of the challenges I think that I've am experiencing now is that, you know, I'm not sure it's so much sure if it's an idea of, of leaving the figure. I have this great affinity for painting figurative paintings. And it's not so much of like leaving the figure and going abstraction. It's, I think what it is that I'm interested in and what I'm trying to see for myself is world building. And I'm building a vocabulary of what it is that I like to see to world build. And that's going to take some time, I believe. That's going to take different shows, different iterations of like seeing these ideas play out. And I think that's going to take some time. And I'm not a full formed artist. I'm a very young artist that is, I would hope, allowed space to grow and learn things in their practice. Um, so I think moving forward, I want to not always be held by like the things I've done in the past, but always maybe to be 
supported through the things that I'm working through currently or at that moment. What are you excited about right now? I'm excited about a lot of things. I think I think what's been really nice recently and what has been an extraordinary blessing is that my my work, my my art, like what I love to do has now taken me across the world. It's now given me opportunities to see different continents and be in different geographies and different landscapes. And that has been very, very helpful for me in my practice. It actually has changed ways that I've thought about my work. You know, I've always made work on the, in the States, but what happens when you're an artist and you're in a different place, like, you know, Dakar, Senegal, or Siena, Italy, or some other place, I feel that taking the time to glean what these landscapes can teach you is also very important. I take space to stop and learn from those landscapes and that also filters into, into the work. So I'm excited to see how my experiences, you know, as being this person that can now travel the world, I want to see how that moves through me. And as a, as a, that same time, how does that move through my creative process? How would you define black art? <laughs> that is, it's a simple, I think it's a simple answer, but also very, very, it can be complicated. I think black art is, is based on the fact that this, these works, ideas, uh, you know, songs or sonnets, you know, ballets, any, anything that's by a black person, that's, that's black art, any type of form of expression. If it's, you know, by a black person, a black identifying person, that to me is black art. And that can, can that can transcend any type of form that is identifiable by a, a type of trope that we might assume to to a culture. I think what I find so beautiful in our experience as a people is that we persevere, make new, and ever change, and we make new forms all the time. And I think that is black art. I think black art is making new forms. But you know, any any type of expression that is that is coming from that sentiment is black art to me. This is our last question, and that is, what do you feel is the purpose of art? And as a visual artist, what is your role? I actually had this talk with my brother about this. My brother is a, a writer and director. Um, he's my younger brother. And we talked about, like, typically artists' role in the past, and even now till we see it, is um, at the advent of, not necessarily advent, but like at the rise of conflict, whether there were wars or issues that arise, there was, it was always artists that fought at the forefront, whether it be putting their bodies to protest and being activists. Activists are typically, typically are artists in, in, in their own way. And, you know, I think art in that way, that's not like, you know, on a canvas, it's not a sculpture, it's maybe a, maybe it's social sculpture, but I think like art in certain aspects, in certain ways, whether it be visual, whether it be the energy behind a movement. I think art has capabilities of, of, of making movements. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, we have like, man, this is probably, this is bad. I'm forgetting this title, but the, I think it's the raft, uh, the raft of Medusa. I'm not sure if it's it, but like, it's the, it was the painting. No, forgive me, scratch that. It was the painting that was made um, during the French Revolution. I forgot the title of it, but typically there are paintings and painters and artists that make paintings that are declarative of a time. And I think visual art has a great power in changing things. So thank you. 
Appreciate it. Thank you very much, Phyllis. Thank you for your work that you do with this podcast. So it's been a great honor to be able to like talk and share my thoughts. It's a great opportunity to, to, to do that in, in general. So thank you. Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram.